can have a seat. Amen. Well, it's so good to be able to uh, be with you. For those of you who might not know me, my name is Pastor Matt. I'm one of the uh, pastors on staff here and uh, could be sharing with you from the Word today. We are so happy that uh, Pastor Andrew and Pastor Pam made it back uh, today. So we're... They, or they, drove, they made it first, they got here at 8 in the morning in Bathurst, so that gives you an idea of what they were doing through the night. But, so we're glad that they're awake and here, so uh, we're just happy that they're back with us, and uh, uh, we're just happy to be together. So we've been spending the past, it's crazy to believe we're on the sixth week of this eight-week series of uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And just going to spend a moment to look back at some of the things we've, we've looked at, because this is such a, has been such a big topic, has been such a big topic, been such a big book, and uh, I know Pastor Andrew and I have said, talking about it, that there's some weeks where it's like, well, that's a five-week series right there, just that chapter. So there's so many things, and as we've said before, we hope that this isn't a, a one-time series, but that this series is a start of a process in us of getting emotionally healthy and drawing closer to God through that process. So we first talked about the signs of, of unhealthy spirituality and some of the, the root causes and some, or some of the symptoms and things that we might see in our lives. And then we talked about, well, if we see those symptoms, we've got to get under the surface. We've got to figure out that iceberg. What's, you know, we only see 10% of the iceberg. So what's underneath? What's causing those issues? And then the last three weeks, I don't know about you, but I've, for me, have been, you know, a little heavier topics. I'm sure, Pastor Andrew, you felt that preparing some of them, that they were, they were heavier things because they're dealing with the roots of things that might be holding us back. You know, whether that's, that's dealing with our past, our, our past failures, or our past hurts, our trauma, everything that is behind us, we have to deal with those things and process through them. We also have to go through that wall that we all face. So there's a, a wall of doubt or just a, a moment of struggle of trying to figure out what's going on in our lives. We all have those moments of kind of a wall of crisis. We need to work through that wall and, and see how God is with us as we go through that. And then last week we talked about grief and how it's okay to grieve. It's even, we see an example of it throughout the Bible of we need to grieve the loss in our lives. You know, as I was thinking about those, especially those last three topics, the, the image that was coming to my mind was that as we deal with those things and work through them, it's kind of like tilling up the soil. And as we're, we're working through those things and believing the truth of God, God's word, as we work through them, we're tilling up that soil so that we can prepare for growth. And as we work through those things, get below the surface, you know, maybe dig up the weeds that are, are a bit deeper under. We can then prepare ourselves to take steps so that we can move forward in a healthy way. Because we want to move forward, that's, that's why it's important to, to work, that's why we spent the past five weeks working through this series. And as we've said many times, and we'll say a few more times in this series, it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. So we need to work on those things. But I think this week and in the coming weeks, I think we're, we're hitting kind of a turning point of, okay, now we get to move forward. We're going to prepare for that moment of growth. 
And so how do we move forward in spiritual maturity? And that's this topic. Today we're talking about discovering the rhythms of the daily office and Sabbath. These are our practices. These are spiritual disciplines, if, you, if that's maybe a word you're more familiar with. And these things, are, I believe, can help us move forward in a healthy way. And I think they'll also help us examine our own lives so that we can look at our lives and see when maybe there's something that's unhealthy coming up or maybe there's something from the past that's coming, coming up because like we said, this isn't a one-time process. This is a, we're learning tools and getting tools so that we can keep moving forward in following Jesus. You know, in Romans 12 verses 1 to 2, I think this is a core verse for us, what we're going to be looking at today. I'm sure a familiar verse for so many of us. Romans 12, verse 1 to 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We need that renewed mind. We need to be transformed as we follow him. And as we make changes in our lives, it's not because of, we don't have to earn anything. It's in view of his mercy. It's because of his mercy that we can do these things. Because of God's extravagant mercy and grace and love that he's shown us. Because of that, we can move forward and be transformed And, you know, as we move forward and as we've, you know, deal with things in our past and and grieve and and go through times of doubt and struggle, you know, there's even if we we're handling all of those things really well in a godly way, there's we still live in the world. Jesus doesn't just transport us out of the world when he says, well, you've reached this mark of discipleship. You've reached this level of spirituality, so now I'm taking you away. No, we still live in this world. We live in a world full of chaos. We know that, especially right now, watching what's happening. We live in a world where, where just everything feels like it's, it's bombarding us, swirling around us. In, in the book, Pete Scazzaro calls it a blizzard of life, which is funny that, it's, that we're talking about that today as it's, it's not quite blizzarding out yet. See through the window. There's snow coming down, but not blizzard yet. But it feels like life is, a, we're sometimes stuck in a blizzard, doesn't it? Everything's swirling around. You know, one of the, the big signs of determining what a blizzard is is that you can't see, is that there's no visibility. And sometimes life feels like that. I can't see, I can't find where I'm going. And we need something or someone to guide us back home in that storm. You probably have all, I don't know if any of you have ever had to do it, but there's stories of, of people who, especially on farms, who they had to have a rope from their barn to their home because in a blizzard, they couldn't even see their home. So they needed something to guide them back home. And we need something to guide us back to Christ in those moments when life is storming around us. We need something to hold on to, to guide us, to bring us back home. And you know, life goes at a a frantic pace sometimes. 
Even if, we're, if we feel like, you know, my life is good, things are going the way it should, doesn't life just feel fast sometimes? Like we're overwhelmed by everything. And life is just, everything around us is just pulling us forward, pushing us in a faster direction. And I believe God has designed us for something different. Busyness, I don't think, helps our Christian life. Just filling our life with more things. I love this story about a, a man named Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard is a, or he's, he's passed on now, but he was a, a brilliant Christian man. He was a philosopher. I, I really rec- if you're a reader, I would really recommend his books. They're, they're dense, but there's a lot of really good stuff in there. And there was a pastor who was working at a huge megachurch where things were just coming at him faster and faster. He was busy. Life was going crazy. So he phoned Dallas because they were friends and Dallas was a bit of a mentor to him. So he phoned Dallas and he said, what do I need to do? What, what do I need to do to, to grow closer to Jesus, to be the type of person I want to be? What do I need to do? So Dallas, he's on the phone and he just paused a long time. And if you've, you can go and listen to interviews and times of Dallas talking and he often would just, someone would ask him a question and he would just sit there. You almost think he wasn't listening, but he was processing it. And so there was a long pause and he said to him, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And the pastor was like, oh, that's, that's brilliant. So he writes that down. He's like, okay, what's next? What's the next thing? And so the Dallas pauses again. He said, there's nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And thinking about how full life gets sometimes, we need to think about what is our life going to be about? What are we going to be focused on? Why is this emotionally healthy spirituality so important? It's because we're designed for a life with God. We're designed to be with our hope, our Savior. We're designed to be connected to Him. He wants us. Life is about being with Him. It's not about what we can accomplish. It's not about us being perfect little Christians, but He wants all of us. And you read through the Bible, we see a God who wants His people. We see a God who's willing to do whatever it is and get everything that's out in the way between him and his people. He wants to get rid of that stuff because he wants those, his people. And when you see God get upset in the Bible, it's because there were things that were getting in the way. Because they were leaving him forgetting about what he had done for them. They were adding things to their relationship with him. But he wanted them. So if our goal is to be with God, we need to ask ourselves, how do we do that? And I believe a big part of that is being counterculture. Counter you know, the verse I read there in Romans, don't be conformed to the world around us. We can't just add Jesus, uh, you know, a Jesus block of time to our lives. We can't just put a little bit of him and, and say, well, now I'm good. We've, we've all tried that, haven't we? Of just adding a bit of Jesus to our life. Just add more quiet time every morning. Or if I go to church every Sunday, 
maybe even connect group, and those are all excellent things. If you're not in a connect group, you should get in one. Um, But those are all excellent things, but we can't just, if life is still feeling chaotic, it's not about just adding Jesus to those things. I believe we need to be truly forming our life around connecting with God, allowing Him to shape our lives, even our daily calendars. Because we can build a life around him. And that's what this, this, this chapter in the book is about. That's what, we're, what a rhythm of life is. A rhythm of daily office and Sabbath is all about. It's framing our life around God and knowing him. And as I talk more about this, I want you to know that I'm not an expert at this at all. God's still really speaking to me on this and challenging me about how I can do this better in my life. In fact, I was realizing as I was preparing this message, I was like, you know, a lot of this stuff seems familiar, and I was realizing that I was reading Emotionally Healthy Spirituality about a year ago, and about a year ago, I preached here, and I was like, didn't I say a lot of this stuff in that sermon? I was realizing, oh yeah, I was reading through that chapter right around when I was preaching, and God was putting those things on my heart. So it's like, oh God, you're trying to get my attention about these things. And so God's working on me and teaching me, but I hopefully, I believe and know he's going to teach all of us how to discover a a rhythm of, of life that we can live. The remedies to the chaos and blizzard that's around us. The, the rope that we can hold on to to guide us back to God. And so you might be wondering, well, what are all those things that you're talking about? What are, you know, I've heard those words. I, I've heard about a Sabbath. I know the word rhythm. But what do you mean by all of these things? So let's, let's break them down a bit today. And, and today I think we'll be pretty practical will be things that we, steps we can take to pull us closer to the God who loves us and wants to spend time with us. None of these things are about rules, about you have to do this to get God to love you or to get God to, to be with you. But it's about discovering ways that we can best surrender to him. Things that, a lot of these are things Christians have done through the centuries and ways that they've connected to God. So a rhythm in life. You know, as I said, we sometimes feel chaotic and, and fast in life. So it, this is a metronome. And for musicians and, and people like that, you know what a metronome is. It, it gives you a beat so that you can find the rhythm, so that you can go on it. But sometimes in life, our, we might feel that our, our pace is more up there. We're going, we're going, we're going. Or maybe you feel in the morning, maybe your rhythm of life is more like this. And then, yeah, you're pouring your coffee, and then you have a coffee, and it speeds up a little. It's going faster, and then, oh, I've got to go to work, and so it's going a little faster, maybe a little faster, and then that person in your job comes and talks to you, and it goes a little faster. And you're feeling a bit more hurried and rushed in life, but then you have lunch and things slow down a little again. And your life is, feels a bit more under control, but then, you know, a customer comes in to your job and, oh, that just pushes life at a faster pace. And then you go home and you want to relax, but, oh, the, 
you know, there's an issue with the kitchen sink that you've got to fix, and so it's just, life just feels like it's speeding up, and then finally, you know, the kids go to bed, maybe life slows down a little for five minutes, yeah. and life is just feeling at those, it's changing pace, oh, change, and then sometimes it changes sound completely. And so instead of those going up and down in speed, we want a steady pace in life. We want to go at a, at a steady pace, not sporadic, because when we're steady, I believe that's where, where life can, can grow. That's where we can stay in step with our Heavenly Father. We can stay in rhythm with Him. You know, in, even in our, in our faith, in our walk with Jesus, we, have, we go through different seasons where we're one season. We just can't get enough of God. We seem to be praying and worshiping at any moment we get. We're filling our lives with, with sermons. With the, we're just reading the Bible. We're reading books, and we're just feeling so filled up. And then other seasons of life, we just feel dry. And we're like, where is God? I'm just... I'm reading the Bible and I'm not hearing from them. I'm praying and praying, but nothing's happening. And we just feel like we can't do the things anymore. So I think we need to, we need to build our life around, around something. We need to build it around connecting with God. And again, not as a but as a way to help us connect. Because if left to our own devices, and to our own ways of doing it, we'll is this Is this mic? Are we having trouble with the mic? Let's keep trying. And that's where this idea of the daily office comes in. You know, sometimes we treat our, our quiet time in the morning, our devotional time in the morning as, well, I need to get filled up for the day. And, and then I, I, so that I can keep going through the day. But this idea of the daily office, it's not about getting something from God, but it's about being with him throughout our day. And so that word office, it comes from a Latin word, opus, meaning work. And no, work isn't a bad word. Work is something that God gave us to do. And so this daily office, it's the idea of the work of God, of, of being with him. And again, this is one of the things that was practiced by Christians throughout the centuries. And even throughout the Bible, we see uh, David in the Psalms talk about praying seven times a day. Daniel praying three times a day. And Daniel, he prayed so much three times a day that it was his routine that when he was arrested for praying, they knew when to go get him because that was his time of prayer. So it was that much of a rhythm of his life. Even in Deuteronomy, in uh, Deuteronomy 6, there's the great command of loving God with all of our, with all of our hearts, our soul, our mind, with everything that's in us. And then after that, it talks about, you know, recite these things, tell people about them when you, when you sit down, when you stand up, when you, when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed, when you sit down for a meal, talk about these things. So it's this idea that God's commands were to be this rhythm in our lives, this part of everything we do. And even the disciples that followed Jesus, they had their times when they went to the temple and regularly prayed. In the book, Pete Scazzaro has a story of going to a monastery. And there was these monks. 
And they would gather seven times a day throughout the day to sing and read scriptures, to pray. They would get up at 3.45 in the morning. At 6 in the morning, at 6.25, they would gather again. At 12.15, at 2 in the afternoon, at 5.40, and at 7.40. And they would, in between all of that, they would also do six hours of physical labor as well. But they built their life around connecting to God. And now you might say, well, hold on a minute, I'm not a monk. Which is true, where none of us are. I don't have a job that I can set my hours like that, and I'm probably not going to get up at 3.45 in the morning. Not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. My life is crazy, and I don't have control even over my work schedule. How can I do that? Well, we can all look at our lives and see, okay, there are things that I have control over. How can I structure it so that I can have those moments? So that I, I'm not looking to get filled up by God, but that I can connect with Him. Maybe it's taking five minutes on your coffee break. Maybe it's a lunch break. Maybe it's when you, right before you leave your house, sitting in your car for a moment. Maybe it's when you get home, sitting in your car again for a moment, just reflecting and focusing back on God. When we have this rhythm, this thing to go back to, to keep us in sync and in, t- in time with God, It helps us to stay grounded in what he teaches. I know for me, it's so easy to just have, you know, one quiet time or or coming to church and, and then all of a sudden forgetting everything that God has taught me. But I think this rhythm of life, of continually going back to him, can bring us back to staying grounded in what he teaches. You know, we've probably all heard stories of of people who, you know, went to church. And then as soon as they left church, you know, they leaving the parking lot, all of a sudden there's road rage as people are leaving the parking lot. Never, <laughs> never here, right? That's why we need to be, have that rhythm of life to bring us back. I know in, in my own life, one of the moments where I had to, I believe one of my biggest steps of faith, or one, yeah, one of my biggest steps of faith was in, those, in that season as I was processing, God, is, is this really the step you want me to take? This is going to be hard. This is going to be a, a sacrifice. That was the time in my life where I had a regular, two or three times a day, I was regularly praying and, and going back to the scripture and listening to God. That thing was, that was helping me give that form of, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to stay connected to him. And so in this, this rhythm of a daily office, we do need to find what works for us, find how God is going to speak to us and how we can listen to him. There's, five, or there's four principles about the daily office that, that Schizero talks about that I think will, will help all of us and are really good, solid things to remember. The first is that we need to stop. Like I've been saying, we need to stop and slow down, get rid of the hurry in our lives. I think of even this morning as I was preparing to come here, I was thinking of everything that I needed to do before the service and then everything I had to do when I, when I get home. And I was like, oh, right, I'm talking about slowing down. And so I just had to take a minute, remember, okay, God, you're in control. God, you're, 
you're in control of this. I'm going to trust in you. So even when life is busy, when life is chaotic, we can still stop, take a moment, breathe, and remember who our God is. And that's where it comes into centering. It's the next principle of of the daily office of remembering who God is, focusing on Him. Psalm 46 says, Be still and know that I am God. We can center ourselves on who God is. We can also spend time in silence. It's another principle. We need to be quiet sometimes. Silence is hard, though. Especially when it feels like we have a lot to talk to God about. Maybe we're upset. Maybe we're just stressed. Maybe we're, we're just, there's a lot of needs that we want to pray for, so we want to talk, talk, talk. But I, I think often of Ecclesiastes 5, verse 2. It says, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. He, of course, welcomes us to pray and express our needs. But there also needs to be time where we just stop, focus on him, and are quiet and listen to what he might be saying to us. And then, of course, the fourth principle is, is Scripture. Scripture points us to God, reminds us of who He is, reminds us of His love for us, or His plan for us, shows us how to live. Of course, we need Scripture to be grounded in our lives, to stay connected to Him. So if all of this seems new to you and think, well, this is a change of how I regularly spend time with God, that's, that's okay. There are a lot of great tools to use and spiritual disciplines and practices that can help us take time to, to get back and focused on God. And I like what Pete Scazzaro says in his book when he's talking about this. He says, a good rule to follow when dealing with tools and techniques is this. If it helps, do it. If it does not help, don't do it. Let God be your guide. So let God guide you as you figure out, okay, my life is chaotic and it's feeling like everything's swirling around me. I need to do something different. You know, that old saying of, you know, the the sign of, of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. If we want to get different results in our spiritual life, in our connection with God, we need to do things differently. And it's not about a way that you have to do it, but it's about living counterculturally, living a way that's connected to, to our Lord who loves us and wants to meet with us. It's about going at a different pace of life, going in a different way. And that different pace of life, that also comes where we come to our second rhythm that we see throughout the Bible is this idea of Sabbath. Sabbath, many of us know it as a command in the Ten Ten Commandments. God tells the Israelites to honor the Sabbath, to not work, but to also rest. And again, not because work is bad, but because we we are built to need rest. Our bodies can't keep going and going and going. We're not the Energizer Bunny. We need to stop. He gifted us with the Sabbath. I believe it is more of a gift than a command. 
And I think he made it a command was because he knows that, knew that we probably weren't going to do it. So we need to be tell, told to, break, to take a break. And in talking about being counterculture and not being conformed to the way the world goes around us, I believe Sabbath and Sabbath rest is really counterculture. So many people work all the time. In fact, there's even now the governments and things are putting in laws for different businesses to say, hey, you can't make your employees be on their phone you know, when they're not at work being paid for it. You know, they're saying, you need to take a break. The people in the world are starting to realize, oh, I can't work all the time. I've, I've seen stories recently of people in their jobs getting in trouble because they were off hours and they turned their phone off and their different employees or bosses got mad because they turned their phone off. We need to go at a different pace. And you know, do you know who some of the biggest sabbath breakers are i I know pastor andrew probably knows and pastor graham probably knows who the biggest sabbath breakers are it's pastors and the thing is there's probably there's some good some good motive behind it we want to help people we want to dive into god's word and and give give good sermons and we want to guide guide the church and the people around us we want to do good things but when our lives become and when any of our lives become all about work and productivity, they become about us and not about God. You know, in, in Exodus, uh, when God is giving the Ten Commandments, right before he, he lists the Ten Commandments, God says this to the Israelites, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. It starts with what he did. They were to remember, we're, I'm no longer a slave. I'm not bound to my productivity. I'm not bound to what I produce. I'm a free person. And God's saying that as a free person, this is how you're going to live. I'm going to show you what you need to do. You don't need to work to survive. You can trust in me. You're not defined by what you produce. You're defined and known by who God is and what he's done for you. We are defined by who we belong to. We are children of God, and we can live that way, trusting that He is in control. You know, we can do as much as we can do sometimes, but ultimately, He will take care of us. I'm reminded of a, a story that my mom told me that she remembers growing up. She grew up on a farm, her dad was, was a hardworking farmer. But they, they, were, they were Christians. They believed they, weren't, they didn't want to work on Sunday. That was their rule. They were going to rest on Sunday. They knew that God had, had commanded them to do that. He, and my grandfather, he wanted to follow what God had told him to do. So as busy as work was on the farm, there was always work to do. Every Sunday he would stop. Even in harvest season, he never worked. But one day, one of his neighbors... Well, actually, one of the, the kids of, of uh, their neighbors. The kids were about my mom's age, too. You know, in that family, they weren't Christians. They worked every Sunday. And the kids said, you know, the, the Ford family down, down the road, they never work on Sunday. And uh, they get done at the same time as we do every year. 
You know, why, why do, and so the kids wanted a day off. But they were realizing, you know, how does that family who takes, you know, in this busy, fast pace when you need to work when the weather is good, they still get done every year. They get done harvest the same time as we do. We're not ahead of them in any way. The neighbor was putting in more work, again, in, a, in, a, in work where the days matter, when the good weather is, when the weather's good, you want to be working. It's so crucial for what they were doing. You'd think that, you know, maybe the family that's working on Sundays, maybe they'd even get done a week earlier, but they never would. They would always finish at the same time. It's like God was taking care of them because they were trusting in him and they were being obedient to what he had set up for them. And as we rest, God takes care of us. I recently heard Sabbath described as a way of living out the gospel because we don't have to work to earn anything. God's taking care of us and blessing us even as we rest. And as the world is yelling at us to produce more, you know, for a lot of younger people, you see things online about hustle culture and you need to always be finding ways to make more money and to do more, to build your brand. God says, you can stop. Know that I'm in control. And there's four principles to the Sabbath as well. And again, the first one is stopping. We, we don't work Again, another example from, from farmers. I've got a lot of family that's farmers, so I hear a lot of these sorts of stories. I remember one summer I was spending some time with them, and it was a beautiful Sunday, and it was a, a summer that had weird weather, so it was throwing off everything that they were doing. And it was this beautiful Sunday, and one of my cousins was, and my cousin and my uncle, they just said, well, we've got to leave We've got to go to the beach. We've got to drive away from the farm because they knew if they stayed there, if they stayed at home, they would be tempted to work. But they knew the importance of resting. They wanted to be obedient, so they're like, okay, let's, let's go to the beach. So they had to actually remove themselves from the situation so that they could enjoy and rest in what God had blessed them with. And again, about this stopping work, it's not about this legalistic rule. Jesus said that Sabbath was created for us. It's not about we have to do this, but we get to do this. We get to rest. It's a way of trusting in Him. And we also get to give rest to those around us. In Exodus 20, when God is giving the, the command, He says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We don't stop and then give a bunch of work to everyone around us. We all rest. We resist the urge to produce and the greed and the fear and the worry. And we rest in God's good gift. And that's the second principle is resting. 
We rest from technology, from worry, from running errands, from busyness, from hurry, from decision-making, and we experience God in the stillness of it all. We do as he did. You know, God worked, and then he said it was all good, and then he rested. And we can do that too. And the third principle is that we delight as we slow down and we rest, we, take, we delight in all the good gifts that God has given us. We don't have to rush to the next thing. We can enjoy God. We can enjoy his people, his blessings. God has given us joy as a gift. He wants us to enjoy the beautiful things that he's made. Psalm 92, verse 4, for, it says, For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. You know, one of my favorite things to do, especially when I'm in a, in a, on a day of, of Sabbath or trying to rest, is just getting out into nature, going for a walk. That's why I love Bathurst. There's so many spots to go, go into the woods and just remember God, see all of his creation. And Sabbath gives us time to enjoy all of God's gifts, whether it's the nature or, or family or friends or good food. The fourth principle of, of Sabbath is taking time to contemplate. The Sabbath is holy to the Lord. It's set aside as a day of rest, but also a, rest, a day for God, to honor Him and to love Him. To think about all He's done for us. To look to Him, to trust in Him. Do you know, in, in all of these things, in especially in keeping a Sabbath, but also with our daily office, it isn't going to happen by accident. I would encourage you to make a plan. No one's going to give you your Sabbath. But we can prepare for it. And we can prepare for it and make it make form our lives around it. It can be an amazing blessing. You know, look at the Israelites as they were wandering in the desert and God was giving them manna. What did they have to do on the sixth night? They had to gather extra manna. They had to be prepared for the day of rest. You know, another example of relatives of mine that are farmers, they would always do their chores on Saturday night so that they could be prepared to rest. You may have to let people know that you won't be available. You might have to make some plans. But as you prepare, it's not to stress yourself and to be so worried and be like, I got to take a day off. But it's so that we can experience his freedom that he has for us, the blessings that he has for us. You know, the thing that's been really coming to my mind as we've been working through this series is how crucial it is to know our identity in Christ. And I believe that these rhythms of life, Sabbath and daily office, they're ways, they're, they're ways that we can stay grounded in our identity. For us to stay connected to God. John 15, Jesus talks about that he's our vine, our source of life. So I'd encourage you this week, 
and even today, start thinking about how you can stay connected to God and why you want to stay connected to him. Remember his love for you. Remember that he has a plan for you. Even now, why don't you just take a moment now, even as we, as we prepare to wrap up, let's just bow in prayer and start to ask God, you know, ask ourselves, are, am I happy with the way my life is going? Am I staying connected with my Savior? And in this moment, let's just allow God to to speak to us. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed by the storm of life. I know a lot of us in the past two years have felt that, but maybe for you it's been even longer. Just feeling like there's no break. How can I get out of this, this cycle that I'm in? Know that God's not mad at you. Maybe you're struggling with spending time with him. You just can't seem to find that time. Can't seem to take a moment to connect with him. God's not mad at you. He loves you. He wants to connect with you. He's waiting for you with open arms. He's not mad. He wants to accept you. Maybe you've never followed Jesus before. I want you to know today that he loves you. That God has a plan for you. He wants you. It's not about what we can achieve. It's not about doing or producing, but it's about knowing and being with him every moment of the day. Him transforming us and renewing us as we walk with Him and walk in His freedom. So Heavenly Father, we just invite You now to speak to us. Help us to build our life around You. Help us to look more like Jesus. I pray that we wouldn't be so tempted by the ways of the world that we would just try and produce and do more, but that we would rest in what you have done. So Lord, show us how each one of us can reconnect with you daily, to have that rhythm, that pace of life that isn't rushed, but is in step and in beat with you, Lord. We thank you, Heavenly Father. Pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Before I dismiss you today, I just want to close with, with reading a psalm. And I believe that it can help ground us in Remind us who our God is and how we can stay 
connected with him. I pray that you would hold on to these words wherever you go. And, and today, as we, as we do wrap up, encourage you that if you need prayer, if you need to just take a moment and reflect on, make a plan for your life, I'd encourage you just to stay and rest in God's presence here. We do pray that God blesses you this week, that you stay safe out there as you drive home, and that you would experience him wherever you go this week, in every moment of life. So I'm going to close with Psalm 46 here. God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. Amen. God bless you this week. I pray that you would connect with him and know his love every moment. God bless you.